your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Stay tuned throughout this episode to learn more about the great relaunch of the Built Bar Protein Bar. It's the week of Christmas, and it seems like Santa has brought our podcast quite a few gifts, and the first one that we're going to talk about this evening is, in fact, the NHL's agreement to a 56-game relaunch plan with a few extra caveats that I really wasn't expecting. The league, aside from changing the divisional formats, has opted for a few more alterations that might make things a little bit more complicated than anticipated. We're also going to talk about what sorts of gifts I'd like to see the Jets give Winnipeg fans this upcoming season and whether or not we're actually going to get a gift or probably a lump of coal. And then to close us out, we'll take a quick look at some of the top playmakers throughout the NHL, continuing our series from the past couple of weeks in the most creative playmakers in the NHL. Starting us off, though, let's talk about the NHL's 56-game 2021 season plans, which sound like they are basically agreed to. It has taken a little bit of time for both the league and the Players Association to finalize their agreement, and even then, things are not really fully set in stone. I think the biggest challenge right now is all of the divisions have been realigned, but the Northern Division that is an all-Canadian division requires a few more provisions to actually function as expected, and the first thing is that some of the provinces haven't quite agreed to the NHL's plan to have some of the teams play in their home stadiums, as well as some of the other travel arrangements that would be necessary. Earlier, it was made to sound like it was just one province that hadn't quite come on board, but it sounds like there's a handful of them that are not really 100% with the plan yet, and I think the NHL needs to get them on board sooner rather than later because, let's be honest, the season's only a couple of weeks away. We've already seen a couple of players who have been staying abroad come back overseas for their 14-day quarantine before training camps and preseason, which is obviously very important to get guys back up to speed. Patrick Laine sounds like he's going to be in Winnipeg's plans for the season, which is obviously a good sign. I think it's very important for Winnipeg to kind of commit to this kid, and I think if he's ready to, to put the work in and to be a part of this team long term, hopefully we can figure out a way to keep him around uh, for, for this season and beyond, really. I don't want him to get traded. I want him to stick around and obviously, I think for both parties, that would be the best solution is, is to find a way to keep Line in a Winnipeg Uni. He's got to be a focal part of this team's core. Even though he might not be the world's most well-rounded player, I think he's actually improved in quite a few aspects of this, but I get it. He does have quite a few cosmetic flaws, but by the same token, he's one of these players that I feel like I genuinely want the Jets to make as part of their permanent young youth core. He possesses, of course, extremely rare gifts, and I think he's one of those guys who Winnipeg can genuinely do something special with. But, of course, that that's just one guy among many who have been returning from overseas. Winnipeg's got a few other prospects who are likely going to be returning in the next couple of weeks or so. And as they, they enter quarantine and exit quarantine and head into the training camps and preseason, there were some interesting thoughts about the NHL talking about a brand new style of season, which, with the shortened schedule and the way that the uh, the travel arrangements sound like they need to be limited, it does actually make a lot of sense. 
The NHL wants to adopt MLB-style, like, series between teams. Rather than playing one game against a team and then switching off to another team, the NHL seems like it's going to do anywhere from two to four game series. I actually find this idea very fascinating because it changes the way that you need to tactically approach things by quite a bit. The more you play a team and become familiar with them, the more you begin to understand and see how their tactical alignments make sense. Which, in theory, means that teams will have to make more frequent adjustments against each other since they're going to be seeing some of the same teams anywhere from like 5 to 10 times throughout the season. This is a pretty big deal and something that is a structurally unique change that the league has, I don't think it's ever done something like this before. We're going to see, like, of course, back-to-backs, but we haven't really seen one where it's been like a four-game series and and a series that's more closer to baseball. The league did indicate that this is not a permanent change. It would only be for this season, as they are anticipating 2021 to 2022 to return to some form of normalcy starting in October. But for this 56-game season where travel is likely heavily restricted, it does actually seem pretty sensible to have this sort of short series kind of style of, of season, which is... Fairly interesting to me. I I think it's going to lead to a lot more rivalries. You could see a lot more playoff-style hockey in the sense that teams have to adjust in series to how their opponents are playing, um, ultimately looking at the same players and same tactics. There's going to be a lot of adjustments that I think have to be made, which might make these games very exciting and very interesting compared to some of the ones last season. When you were facing teams that are, are fresh faces, basically, it's hard to get a read on how your opponent handles. But if you face them like three or four times already throughout the season, and you've done so in short order, maybe this will make games a lot more of a tactical seesaw than they were before. Winnipeg maybe stands to gain a bit from this if they get to face a lot of the weaker teams repeatedly. You know, if you face like Ottawa three or four, maybe even five or six times throughout the season, you're looking pretty good because Ottawa at this point, even though they've embarrassed the Jets in the past, I don't see that happening this season. I think Winnipeg's probably going to dust them pretty easily, although it's hard to really set expectations for this season, right? It's going to be a bit of a weird one, but let's just assume the Jets are, are okay. They're decent enough to cause trouble for really bad teams. I think this new division that they're in is going to be, for the most part, pretty easy to get a playoff spot in. You know, unless Calgary proves to be some really surprising upstart, I I genuinely think it's going to be Toronto, Montreal, and Winnipeg. I just don't really know if any of the other teams are going to be quite good enough to to get a playoff spot beyond like a fringe wildcard-esque spot. I'm not even sure if they're going to do wildcards this season because the entire playoff structure has completely been altered to fit these new divisions and the the travel limitations and stuff. So I think it's a bit of a wait and see when it comes to whether or not we're actually going to have uh, extra playoff spots for these teams to sneak in. I think Winnipeg is probably an okay guess to, to make it to the playoffs. I think they've certainly got the talent, but of course it's going to be a short season and things are going to be very strange for most of the year, so who knows what's going to happen. I I think it's pretty safe money that the Jets make it, but Winnipeg has occasionally surprised me before and not in the way that I'd like. Speaking of Jets-related surprises, in just a little bit we'll talk about some of the surprises that I think Winnipeg might give us for the upcoming holiday season, and maybe a lump of coal or two. Hockey Santa has to give out a little bit of naughtiness every now and then. Before then, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about tonight's title sponsors at Built Bar. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you probably know that I'm a big Built Bar fan. If you've ever had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. If you want to give their original flavors to sample, I highly recommend trying out Raspberry and Mint Brownie. 
But if you can't decide between those two flavors, check out their variety pack so you get the best of both worlds and try some of their other great flavors. Like any great company though, Built isn't content to rest on its laurels and is back and better than ever with six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. If these flavors make your mouth water, you're in luck. Because as delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at 200 calories or less between 15 to 19 grams of protein and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're perfect for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To get started, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are currently covering updates to the NHL's 2021 season, and it is almost the holidays, so I was also thinking about what kind of Christmas gifts would Santa leave the Winnipeg Jets? It's been a bit of a rocky offseason for a lot of teams, and I think Winnipeg last year had an already tumultuous season where the main highlight was Connor Hellebuck winning the Vezina Trophy because the rest of the team really wasn't performing up to snuff. We certainly saw glimpses of, of a Jets team that could be at least, you know, break even with most other opponents, but for the most part, Winnipeg was playing more like a lottery squad. I think there are three particular gifts that the hockey Santa could leave underneath Winnipeg's Christmas tree, and hopefully we actually get them because the alternative is not going to be particularly great. The first I would like to see is a team that is naturally more offensively aggressive. This is something that for Winnipeg has always been a trouble under Paul Maurice. Paul doesn't really seem to like to have a lot of high-risk, high-event hockey. I think the way that he sees things is he wants the team to be more defensively secure, so he has a lot of the forwards come back on defense, and the idea is that out of those defensive structures and turnovers, you then force counters going the other way, and he trusts that Winnipeg has enough speed to get up the ice and to create offensive opportunities off of these counters. The single biggest issue, as we've talked about on this podcast, is the Jets just don't have the defensemen to actually facilitate a kind of style of this sort. So I think for, for Winnipeg, we need to have a team this year that when they want to actually create offense, they're the ones who are the aggressors. The forwards need to be, you know, maybe even taking more risks and chances. Obviously, Winnipeg doesn't want to start conceding, you know, even more offensive opportunities than it was last year. But we know for the most part that guys like Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine, even Blake Wheeler to a point, these guys are not necessarily the ones you want being in defensive coverages. Wheeler has actually improved a lot as like a... I don't know, almost like a third defender on the ice rather than being a really high-end offensive winger, but I don't think that that's what you want him to be doing. The other guys, for the most part, are just liabilities in in back-checking and in defensive marking. Line has certainly improved a lot in this area, but Shifley and Connor are both huge black holes in terms of defensive impact, so... I wouldn't mind these players forcing opposing defenders to try and push a little higher up the ice. I think I want these guys being ready to hit counters a lot higher and taking more risks and gambles. I think that this is something that, for Winnipeg, they actually have the personnel to do. Partly because they don't have the blue liners to to move the puck up the ice that effectively, and certainly to defend inside their own zone. I think that this is something that they're just going to have to work around, and if they stretch the ice a bit more and actually get a lot more aggressive, I think it's going to yield better results, especially in terms of Winnipeg creating offensive opportunities and protecting their own blue line. They still have enough forwards to overwhelm opponents and ultimately tire them out, so, you know, Jets forwards, get up the ice, do your thing, and create pressure. 
The second gift I want is for Winnipeg to find a way to bring Patrick Laine back onto the power play in, in terms of getting goals and being an impact force. Obviously, Connor and Shifley saw huge upticks in their individual production, and overall the power play units seem to be doing pretty well. But I think having Laine as a, as a notable weapon and somebody that you actually make use of only makes your unit that much more dangerous. It's weird to say that the unit as a whole was producing more opportunities and goals even without Line being involved because I think a lot of this power play has flown through his stick before. I think it also needs to do so a little bit more frequently. Like, he doesn't have to be the focal point of that top power play unit necessarily because the Jets have so many weapons that they can creatively use and overlap. So obviously, Line is almost like a supporting piece, but I think he needs to be more of an offensive threat than he is now. Obviously, having him on that unit is, is a lot of threat in and of itself, but right now he's mostly being neutralized. Get his shot involved more. He has the kind of finish where it doesn't really matter where he shoots from, it's going to go into the back of the net. I think the Jets have made a little bit of a mistake so far by not getting him players who can service him a bit faster. I'm sure that that also frustrates him because he wants to be an important part of this team and right now he feels like he's not quite having the impact that he wants. I don't think it would take that much for him to get back up to speed, it's just finding somebody who can service him from either the point or from Wheeler's position a little bit faster and I think the Jets do have players who can do this. The third and final Christmas gift I'd like the Jets to have left under their tree is for the defense to actually be functional. I think for the most part Winnipeg's blue line is going to be better than it was last season, but I don't know by how much, and I think it's going to really rely on, on sort of what rookies Maurice feels comfortable letting into the team, whether Heinola is actually here to stay or if he goes back to Finland, and ultimately you know, how much ice time some of the depth players are getting. Last season we saw moments where Lucas Abisa was in the top four, which is obviously not what you want to be seeing. And I just think Winnipeg needs to find a way to get a lot of players uh, a little bit more mobile. I think last year we had a lot of defenders who just couldn't really skate with the puck and skate out under pressure. This year we need to see a little bit more mobility. I think guys like Tucker Pullman are going to be useful but in very limited you know, minutes and roles. You don't want him playing with Josh Morrissey again like he was last year. A full season of DeMello certainly would help a lot with this and I think he's going to be a major impact and role player for this team. But obviously the rest of the squad is going to have to keep up. You know, Derek Forbort, hopefully he's actually going to be pretty good. If, in fact, he can do well away from Drew Doughty, I think that that's a huge boost, especially compared to the alternatives. And if Sami Niku can find a way to start rounding out some of his flaws and get a little bit more active and involved for this team, I think he'd be a huge addition to this back end, especially on, like, the third pairing. He's got certain puck-moving skills, certain abilities that only guys like Pionk and some of the other more offensively inclined skaters can bring. So if Niku is, is able to have a successful season, I think that that would be a huge gift to the Jets. I feel like I'm not asking for a lot from Santa, but I also know that he probably will leave us a lump of coal because every now and then the Jets just seem to struggle, and maybe next season we're going to see more of the same bunker-style hockey that Maurice is known for. But to try and remain in the holiday spirit, I want to be a little bit optimistic and hope that some of the personnel changes convince Maurice to get a little bit more ambitious. I'd love to know what's on your holiday wish list, though, so get at me at HLLivingLoco on Twitter and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets also on Twitter, and let me know what you want Santa to leave the Jets. In just a moment, we will be continuing our most creative playmaker series. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about betonline.ag. While hockey isn't quite back yet, the NFL is in full swing, and there's only one betting spot that has you covered for college football and the NFL that you can trust. So stop what you're doing and go online and sign up at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Think the Jets can upset the Browns for their second win of the season? Will the visiting Colts make a mess of Pittsburgh's season? 
Or are you already thinking about the NHL season and thinking the New Jersey Devils, the longest odds to make the Stanley Cup playoffs finals and win, are going to be the next champs? Then stop sitting on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Head on over to betonline.ag, create an account, and don't forget, when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. You're probably wondering what we are going to be doing for the rest of this holiday week. I do intend to plan a couple more episodes of the most creative playmakers in the league that we haven't covered yet. But for the lesser side of the holiday spirit, I may also do an episode talking about some of the Santa's lumps of coal that they may drop for the Winnipeg Jets. On this show, we covered some of the the exciting gifts that I think he may leave us under Winnipeg's Christmas tree, but maybe there are going to be some things that we're not going to be so happy about, especially in a weird shortened season where everything is up for grabs. For now, though, I did want to return to our most creative playmaker series, and on this episode, we're going to be taking a look at just a couple of players from the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we're only going to cover a couple of them because I think everyone by now already knows most of the most creative players on that squad. But there's one particular guy that I think always gets overlooked, and that's William Nylander. He's continually a lightning rod of controversy inside Maple Leafs fandom, which I don't really understand. In a lot of ways, when you look at his underlying results, he's extremely comparable to a player like uh, Nikolai Ehlers, and I think this is why his game is often heavily criticized. Because he's not like an elite finisher in the way that somebody like Austin Matthews is, and is instead a really good specialist in creating space and setting up passing lanes and then making build-up play possible, I think a lot of people tend to think that he's actually very overrated and overpaid, and to be honest, it's actually the opposite. Nylander's on a pretty fair contract, and he's signed with term, and I think that this is the kind of player that you really want on a very nice under $8 million contract for a long-term deal because of how pivotal he is in setting up everything that Toronto wants to do. Obviously, they have elite finishers like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and quite a few other players of their ilk, but they don't really have many guys who are extremely good in two-way play, in creating counters, in setting up line mates, showing exceptional vision, pretty good edge work, and high-level play-reading IQ, and this is something that Nylander specializes in. He's not quite as fleet of foot as somebody like Ehlers, and I don't think he has the same style of flash, which is maybe why... A lot of people tend to be harsh on him. I also think that he looks like he's a little bit soft. You know, he's not a particularly physical player. He doesn't chase after guys aggressively on the back check. So I think a lot of folks misunderstand what Willie does best. He's a cerebral setup guy, and I think that that's something a lot of folks have trouble grappling with. I know personally, sometimes it's hard for me to even see. You know, having watched a lot of players of his ilk, I tend to have an understanding of it a little bit more than what most folks might be thinking about, but so much of what Nylander does happens inside his head, and then he's able to execute it almost flawlessly. I think this guy is very smart. He's probably one of the best playmakers in the entire league. I think that he understands play at a fundamental level, so he doesn't have to exert as much to try to do the same things that a lot of other players do. Naturally, when it comes to talking about Toronto's top forwards, you know, it drifts from guys like Nylander and Marner, then of course to Austin Matthews, and Matthews is an interesting player. I think that there's a lot to his game that is extremely refined, and there's a lot that's kind of missing. I think for one thing, he's definitely not somebody who does much defensive work. He tends to like to be in the offensive zone, he'll cheat to get offensive opportunities, and he just always seems to be going for the opposing net. Now, this certainly does hurt his you know, defensive impact, but when it comes to sheer offensive output, there are very few players in the NHL that match up anywhere near the sort of shooting volume and chance creation volume that Matthews brings. 
This guy is just an uncontrollable force anywhere near the net. He's got an extremely powerful frame, he's got ridiculous upper body strength, his, sh his shooting release is crazy good, he's got impeccable vision, and I think his ability to, to find and muscle his way into spaces just makes him really a, a bully. The dude is kind of a freak of nature when it comes to pure goal scorers and guys who are also excellent setup players. Because he's able to create so much havoc, I think he just naturally draws points to him. He's a franchise-level force of offense, and I think somebody like him isn't a player that you find too often, especially somebody who creates as much sheer volume of offense as he does. I think what he's able to do by himself in front of the net is frankly terrifying. That he has such a supremely talented supporting cast behind him really should frighten people if Toronto is ever able to stay out of its own way and consistently string together playoff results. Obviously you need a good dose of good fortune in order to advance in the postseason, but Toronto also has some issues that they structurally need to work on. That said, I, th I think guys like Matthews are going to be an important part of any sort of postseason plans that they have going forward. He's an offensively dominant playmaker and scorer, which makes him one of the most dangerous players at any given time, and I think long term he's just going to be somebody that they want to build around and find players who can keep up with him. He's so fast, he's so strong, he's so skilled, just a really complete attacker. If you think I've missed any notable playmakers for the Toronto Maple Leafs, be sure to let me know. I'm going to ignore them because I hate talking about the Leafs. I think we all can agree that uh, the less we talk about Toronto, the better. But if you really must have me analyze the player, let me know at HLLivingLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on our Twitter accounts. As I mentioned earlier, we will be continuing our most creative playmaker series throughout the rest of the week, pending any special announcements from the league that we have to cover. But for now, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. I thank you so much for logging on and checking us out. Before you log off, though, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted every Monday by Locked On Kings host Sarah Avampado. Never miss a story around the league and catch up with all of the latest and greatest in league analysis with Locked On NHL. As always, thank you so much for listening to us. Have a great night and go Jets go.